welcome everyone to this evening's Lectio Divina, in which uh, we'll be meditating upon Psalm 11 and Psalm 13. Uh, and I'm using my nice big uh, Abbey Psalter. This is a thing put out by the monks of the Abbey of Genesee in New York. And uh, it has the great advantage uh, of having very large print, which I find as the years go by is a great, great advantage. Um, there, I, I do, do have a bit of a show and tell as usual. Uh, this is just the Psalms in Hebrew. And this is the translation, the Grail Psalter, which we uh, find, which we use in the divine office. And that's the translation being used. Um, here is a regular breviary. Uh, there are four volumes of this. This is the volume for Christmas time, for uh, Advent, Christmas, and just Epiphany and a bit after. And then there'll be one for the first 17 weeks of ordinary time, and then there's another one for the rest of ordinary time. And the final volume, there is also a volume for Easter, for Lent and Easter time. And when you pray the whole divine office, you have within there over four weeks, the book of Psalms. Uh, and then you also have, um, you have in that uh, morning prayer, midday prayer, evening prayer, and night prayer. And night prayer, just you pray just before you go to bed. And then you also have the office of readings, which makes the bulk of the book. And that is uh, every day of the four weeks. So we go we'll repeat, keep repeating. We have not only Psalms, we have a rather lengthy scriptural reading and then a reading from the fathers of the church. Now, if you're not praying the office of readings, you can actually pray the whole office just like this. This is morning and evening prayer and night prayer. This is prayer during the day. So there we are. It's much less bulky and you can easily do that. But I think most priests these days, they pray the divine office this way. Um, they don't use a batteryless breviary, but I think many of us are resolving to get away from using a, a cell phone uh, because it just seems more proper to pray from a, an actual bravery. It is really the liturgy, and so we should always keep that in mind. Um, and so, uh, this evening, we are going to be uh, praying two of short psalms, uh, and they're so beautiful. The psalms are so beautiful because they bring us close together into the reality of life in all of its struggle, in all of its joy. And that's why when you pray the divine office, you pray the Psalms all the time, midday prayer, morning prayer, night prayer, office of readings, uh, uh, evening prayer. And it's uh, throughout your whole life, it's woven with the beauty of the Psalms and the depth of them. But we can read them anyway if we want, just get a book of Psalms and read. That's perfectly fine as well. Get, preferably get a big, beautiful book of Psalms like, like this. So the Psalms today are gonna to be Psalm 11 and Psalm 13. I might just for fun pray Psalm 12 just to join the two of them together. And they're quite different. Psalm 11 is a great Psalm of trust, of trust in God. And it starts off with uh, the struggles we face, uh, the dangers of life. There's a great realism about the evil of life in, in the Psalms. But it's above all a Psalm of flying to the Lord and recognizing as we're facing enemies and struggles that we find God guiding us and strengthening us, protecting us. And so it is to be expected then that Psalm 11 is found uh, at evening prayer. 
because as we come to the end of the day in the divine office, we have psalms of trust. It's been a rough day. We have psalms of trust, the same as in night prayer, just before going to bed. It's evening prayer of Monday of the first of the four weeks in the cycle of psalms in the divine office. Psalm 13 is the most astonishing psalm. Uh, most people can't believe it's, it's a prayer. It's actually not only a prayer. It's divinely inspired prayer. It's a model for prayer. Uh, and yet it is, how long, O oh Lord, will you forget me? It's very blunt. And it's, it's dealing with the troubles, the cares. And I know we can think ourselves when we think of all this time with these, this pandemic and the lockdown, all this stuff. How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me? How long, O oh Lord, will you hide your face? How long must I bear grief in my soul? Oh my, how long? And this is something I think we feel in our lives sometimes. And it's very appropriate. This is uh, in midday prayer of Tuesday of week one. In the middle of the day, we have the Psalms of the law of God that is sweeter than honey from the honeycomb. We have Psalms of the journey to Jerusalem because we're slogging along in the midst of the journey through this valley of tears. And we have the Psalms that talk about the rough parts of life. How long, oh Lord, how long? Oh, get me through this day. And so it's very appropriate, that kind of psalm. And also, by the way, the most famous one similar to this, the one our Lord himself prayed on, uh, on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's also a midday prayer. And it's, uh, sometimes we feel that way in the middle of the day when we're surrounded and the storms are upon us and we're thinking, oh my gosh, what is gonna happen next? So that's what we find, but both in Psalm 13 and we need to remember the next time we hear or we read Psalm 22 or during the Passion and uh, during uh, Holy Week, that both of them start off with really grim awareness of the struggles of life. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? How long, O oh Lord, will you forget? They're very similar, but they both end with triumph with trust, just like Psalm 11 is mostly trust. Begins with a bit of struggle, ends off in trust. And that's what we need to think about. Recognize the hand of God in the midst of our struggles. God comes to us, Jesus comes walking on the stormy waters. That's where he comes to us. And that's where the Heavenly Father reaches down to us and strengthens us. And so as we pray the Psalms, we, we think of that. The Psalms of the Office of Readings are just various ones uh, about life and about the journey of the people of God through the desert and from Egypt and through the, on the way to the Promised Land and hist history psalms, things of that type. Morning prayer almost always has nature psalms. As we get out of bed and get ready for the day, we have rejoicing in the beauty of nature. And that's why the canticle that is used at morning prayer, the New Testament Psalm, speaks of the dawn from on high shall break upon us. And then in the evening prayer, it is the Magnificat, which we've sung at evening prayer just here. And then now, O Lord, dismiss your servant in peace at night prayer. So this evening, we're going to be praying two beautiful Psalms, a Psalm of trust, 
in the face of the struggles we face, and a psalm of anguish, which is then resolved in trust. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, send your Holy Spirit upon us, that we may be attentive to your words as you speak to us in this divine reading from the book of Psalms, from the sacred scriptures. Free us from our distractions, which so much govern our life. Free us from our sins, which are boulders that block the pathway to our hearts, so that you may enter in unhindered by our sins. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Psalm 11. In the Lord I have taken my refuge. How can you say to my soul, fly like a bird to its mountain? See the wicked bracing their bow. They are fixing their arrows on the string to shoot upright men in the dark. Foundations once destroyed. What can the just do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord whose throne is in heaven. His eyes look down on the world. His gaze tests mortal men. The Lord tests the just and the wicked, the lover of violence he hates. He sends fire and brimstone on the wicked. He sends a scorching wind as their lot. The Lord is just and loves justice. The upright shall see his face. Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me? How long will you hide your face? How long must I bear grief in my soul, this sorrow in my heart, day and night? How long shall my enemy prevail? Look at me, answer me, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes, lest I fall asleep in death lest my enemies say I have overcome him, lest my foes rejoice to see my fall. As for me, I trust in your merciful love. Let my heart rejoice in your saving help. Let me sing to the Lord for his goodness to me, singing psalms to the name of the Lord, the Most High. So we start with affliction, and then we come to consolation. How long, O Lord, will you forget me? How long will you hide your face? How long must I bear grief in my soul, this sorrow in my heart day and night? 
How long shall my enemy prevail? The psalmist is not asking for an answer to his question. How long, O Lord, will you forget me? Well, 21 days or 13 hours. No, he's not asking that. He's saying what we can all say, and I think we all feel uh, a lot of sympathy with this these days with this endless, it seems, pandemic and all the restrictions. How long, O Lord? We're crying out here, expressing our awareness of the suffering we face and our helplessness. It just seems to go on and on. We can usually deal with something short and quick and very difficult perhaps, but we get it over with, pull the Band-Aid off quick, off it goes. But when we experience the reality of affliction in this world and we realize how long is the journey through the valley of tears, and it goes on and on, you know, it's then that we may begin to stumble a bit and grow weary as the Israelites did. They were wanting a quick trip from Egypt to the promised land. They weren't looking for 40 years in the desert, but it was in the 40 years in the desert that they were tested and tried and humbled and purified. And it is in that same reality that we become purified over the course of our life. The life in Christ is a marathon. It's not a sprint. This is what Dante, the greatest of all poets, taught us in the Divine Comedy when he wants to race to the top of the mountain of delight, get finished quickly. And Virgil comes and says, well, not quite. You're gonna have to go the long way around to hell to see all of the sins, purgatory to be purified, and finally, paradiso. And so we need to recognize that as we face the struggles we find on this journey and recognize that we need to call out to the Lord for help. How long, O Lord, will you forget me? How long will you hide your face? The psalmist, first of all, starts off where he should, at the heart of it all, with God. The sense of my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Sometimes when we're in our struggles, we wonder where is God? And sometimes we wonder as the apostles in the midst of the storm, why is Jesus sleeping at the back of the boat? And of course he rises up and the seas are calm. Oh, we of little faith, but we can have little faith sometimes. How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me? How long will you hide your face? For the face of God is always there. He does not really hide his face. He is with us, and sometimes we are not with him. That's what Augustine saw in his great prayer from the Confessions. You, O oh Lord, were with me, and I was not with you. And so we can sense that he hides his face. And then the psalmist goes to his own person, not God, but his own suffering. How long must I bear grief in my soul? 
It can wear a person down. And he doesn't say what's the cause of the grief. Well, that's the great thing about the Psalms and why we find strength and clarity and lift and love and challenge when we pray them. They're intensely personal. They're strong in language. They penetrate to the heart, but they never exactly say what the problem is. The Psalms are like a cup into which we pour our own individual life and they shape and form it. And then we can appreciate it more. And in fact, someone else might put something, some other source of grief in their soul. You're gonna have a thousand different people praying this Psalm, each one with an intensity complemented by or filled up with their own personal experience and yet taken to a deeper level because it is poured into the words of the psalm. How long must I bear grief in my soul? But why? Is it sickness? Is it fear? Is it facing, as so many people do these days, sickness, death, unemployment, struggle? How long must I bear grief in my soul? And perhaps the one praying the song is experiencing that at the moment. But one of the great reasons for praying the divine office for everyone, and certainly for priests, priests who are called to pray for those they serve, is that maybe right now I don't feel this way. In that case, I pray this psalm for someone else, maybe someone I don't know, someone who has grief in their soul. I pray it for them. And that is the greatest way of praying the Psalms. I often, over the years, have given many retreats on the divine office. I say it's great if the words of the Psalm capture so powerfully where I am right now. Oh, they're so strong and so wonderful and shaping and forming my situation and bringing it before God. But it's even better when they don't. I'm in a happy mood. And I'm praying, how long, O oh Lord, will you forget me? How long? Because it's not just meant for me. I pray it for others. And that's the most important thing of all. So if we pray the Psalms, not just the ones we like, like the Good Shepherd Psalm or something like that, either pray the divine office or pray a Psalm a day. Keep on going and don't pick them. Let them come one after another. How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me? How long will you hide your face? How long must I bear grief in my soul, this sorrow in my heart, day and night? How long shall my enemy prevail? And there's the third danger. The people around me, people seeking to hurt and to harm. Oh, there seems to be so much these days. I think it's the stress that comes from all these restrictions and the tension of this pandemic that there seems to be a lot of nastiness in the air, certainly on the internet. And you wonder what on earth is going on? So that's where we need to pray this song. Let's think about it now and pray about it. When have I felt this way? Do I feel this way now? Does this psalm speak to me now? Or if not, let me say a little prayer for someone I know 
who is going through this right now. And if I can't think of anyone who's going through this right now, let me say this prayer for someone I don't know who is going through this right now. How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me? How long will you hide your face? How long must I bear grief in my soul, this sorrow in my heart day and night? How long shall my enemy prevail? Look at me, answer me, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes, lest I fall asleep in death, lest my enemies say I have overcome him, lest my foes rejoice to see my fall. I don't think we usually pray that way. Look at me, answer me, Lord my God. Who can speak that way to God? And yet God has given us this divinely inspired psalm encouraging us to pray to God this way. Look at me, answer me, Lord my God, just as the one who prayed most profoundly, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Who entered most into that spirit of desolation was almighty God coming into this world to experience the sufferings we can experience. It's said sometimes about Teresa of Avila, the great mystic. Oh my, she was such a saint, lifting off in prayer and things like that. It's a story, I don't know if it's true, that she once was riding on her mule across Spain and fell flat in the mud in a river. And she looked up and shook her hands at God and said, oh Lord, if this is the way you treat your friends, no wonder you have so few. But most of us don't think of talking to God that way. But the psalmist does, and when we pray this on midday prayer on Tuesday of the first week of the divine office, everybody who prays the psalms, if we only slow down and think of what we're praying, we do that. Sometimes a deep relationship is one where we don't have to be on our best behavior. We can speak candidly, with trust, it takes trust to speak that way. Bluntly, not all caught up in fancy words or strange expressions that try to hide what we really mean. But I'm facing what's the first verses of this Psalm talk about. This is what I'm gonna say, look at me, answer me. Where are you, Lord my God? Give light to my eyes, lest I fall asleep in death, lest my enemies say I have overcome him, lest my foes rejoice to see my fall. Oh, the humiliation of it. It's death is one thing the psalmist is afraid of, obviously, aren't we all? But it's also the what other people think and what other people will say. Lest my enemies say I have overcome him, lest my foes rejoice to see my fall. 
What's that? There's some German word for that. Schadenfreude or something where you, you are happy to see the fall of your enemies, of the people you don't like. It's not a very nice thing. It's a little nasty, but it's something part of, you know, they always say the whole thing about the original sin is very common. So this is really bad. This is life when we're getting poofum, poofum, run over. Sometimes we may feel that way in the middle of the day. And out of all of that honesty and just dumping on God for all the troubles, oh Lord. And then what does the psalmist say next? As for me, I trust in your merciful love. Let my heart rejoice in your saving help. Let me sing to the Lord for his goodness to me singing psalms to the name of the Lord, the Most High. Ah, we've just been run over by all this garbage we're dealing with. And we're saying, Lord, how long will you forget me? Look at me, answer me. And then as for me, I trust in your merciful love. It's that long-term love, the love that's with us all the way, the marathon love, not the sprint love. The love that the people of God experienced, that they're constantly, you know, going astray and experiencing these things. This is gritty. It's not plastic. It's not superficial. It's real. I remember there's a wonderful homily by the great St. John Henry Newman called Unreal Words. And he said, we need real, we need real words. We need to give to God real assent of body, mind, and soul, totally actual, particular in life as it is, not a theory, a theoretical, abstract, notional, sort of accepting God in the head from the neck up. No, and this is not from the neck up. This is raw. And so is life much of the time. Unless we're living in some kind of bubble other than the bubbles we're living in in, in this, this pandemic. Wow, what a psalm. The last part of that, the trust to which the psalm does draw us after all, is also found in Psalm 11. And most of that Psalm sort of draws out that point of trust, draws out the words at the end of Psalm 22, where it ends with triumph. These things the Lord has done. Starts with, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then ends off with glory. It starts off with the passion, basically. That's what our Lord prayed on the cross. And then it, ends off with the resurrection. And that's the pattern, that's the way, it's the suffering, death, and resurrection of Christ, which are at the heart of our life in Christ. And so trust is there, but it is also even in Psalm 11, which is an evening prayer psalm, a calm psalm, I'm gonna call it a calm psalm, a calming psalm, a psalm of peace and tranquility, as most of the psalms are in the evening. We don't want to go with a rousing one like Psalm 13 as we're trying to go to bed. 
although it's a marvelous thing. By, I do love the last psalm of the week, of Friday night. It, night prayer is a psalm that's more like Psalm 13. The last words of the psalm we pray before flicking out the light is, my one companion is darkness. I think that's probably better earlier in the morning. I don't want to face that at night. But anyway, here we are. This is an evening psalm. But notice at the beginning of it, we have challenge and struggle. It seems to, we don't know exactly what it is. Of course, that's the good thing. We don't know exactly what it is. We know the kind of experience. What causes this? The psalmist is going to take refuge in the Lord, but there's something going wrong. In other words, a typical day, something going wrong. And he's being advised, fly like a bird to its mountain. Get away, go, run, flee. And he said, no, I'm not gonna do that. And what would want him to make flee? Well, look at the wicked bracing their bow, fixing their arrows on the string to shoot upright men in the dark. Wow, violence, darkness foundations once destroyed, what can the just do? So this is the situation. It's like the first part of Psalm 13 and like so many Psalms. These Psalms are gritty and they are real. We just don't have time for illusion. That's why it's so strange that our woke society is celebrating illusion. And that won't go for long, you know. You can't, Mother Nature bats last. And uh, we have reality, like people suffering and being brought to the neighboring hospital right beside us with the ambulance that's going past this place of prayer. It's so appropriate. St. Michael's Hospital, St. Michael's Cathedral, they are, united. That's the first part of the psalm. This is the second part of the psalm. That's what life is all about. So, in the Lord I have taken my refuge. How can you say to my soul, fly like a bird to its mountain? See the wicked bracing their bow. They are fixing their arrows on the string to shoot upright men in the dark. Foundations once destroyed. What can the just do. Oh my, the Lord, in the Lord I've taken my refuge. He starts out, this is where I'm going to find refuge. How can you say to my soul, fly like a bird to its mountain? Well, <laughs> get away, run. No, I'm taking refuge in the Lord. And why? Why do I need to take refuge? Well, we don't know exactly what this is. There's something desperately wrong, and it's the wicked. See the wicked bra bracing their bow. They're fixing their arrows on the string to shoot upright men in the dark. There's something radically wrong in society where the wicked are doing this. It's like rampaging, rioting through the streets, burning, pillaging, killing, shooting, causing horror. Or it could be more subtle where people are destroyed with a word or fired because 
their beliefs do not match the illusions of the moment. They don't wish to go spinning along with the spirit of the age and to believe, for example, that up is down or down is up or things like, or to think that, for example, the mind can change human nature, male, female, the whole bit, it's all done with the head, boom, like that. That's an illusion, partly coming from Rene Descartes, partly from Gnosticism, but whatever it is, it, there's no future in that. And yet a lot of these strange things flowing around in our society, if you don't say, oh my, if you don't agree with it, you are gonna be facing this first part of Psalm 11. I think what we need to do is go back to that story. I think it's Hans Christian Andersen, but I may be wrong. The Emperor's New Clothes, where there's the Emperor is wearing all these clothes. Of course, these tailors are con men. They're trying to convince him, sell him this expensive suit of clothing. It's nothing, it's actually made of air. And he goes striding with nothing on through the streets of the city. And everyone is so intimidated by the woke consensus that you know you have to, you can't go against the illusions of the day that they don't say anything until finally some little kid says, he doesn't have any clothes on. The bubble bursts, illusion is shattered and reality comes flooding in. Because foundations once destroyed, what can the just do? When our society has gone off its head and we, <laughs> things which are just illusions are being presented as fundamental. What? What's gonna, what can the just do? And it takes a different turn in those societies where it is violence that is the, the danger, where the wicked racing their bow or fixing their arrows on the string is actually quite literal, people being to shoot upright men in the dark a lot of the world where it's actual bloody persecutions taking place. Think of communist China. Think of the Muslim population in one of the provinces being enslaved. Think of the Christians, the churches being torn down, torn down, good people imprisoned. It takes different forms in different places. See the wicked bracing their bow, they are fixing their arrows on the string to shoot upright men in the dark. Foundations once destroyed, what can the just do? It's enough to make one say, how long, O Lord, how long? Because it seems that, you know, the sea is so great, and my boat is so small, and how can a person facing the destruction of the foundations of society when illusion, the sand of illusion, replaces the rock of reality. And people are saying things which just think about it. it are you really? When that begins to happen, or when we have violence destroying, or enslavement, or things of that nature that you find in dictatorial countries where it is more obvious, what can the just do when the foundations have been destroyed? 
when reason is unhinged from life. And we're just left flying along. It's enough to make one want to pray this psalm with greater fervor. So what is the answer? And they had different forms in the days of the psalmist. Would be, could be the people betraying them within the city, could be the Assyrian or the Babylonian army or heaven knows what else. But it's, what we're dealing with here is not so much an enemy attacking. It's within the society. The just are being shot with arrows in the dark. I should think, <laughs> should think about that when it's in the dark. That adds that little bit there, in the dark. That's one of the things that destroys the foundations. So what do we do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord whose throne is in heaven his eyes look down on the world. His gaze tests mortal men. We need to look upward, look outward, to look beyond the illusions of this world and the injustices of it, and the strange goings on and the injustice, injustice, and recognize it is the Lord who is in his holy temple. It is that vision of Francis Thompson in, in No Strange Land, and O World Invisible, We View Thee. It is that awareness of the presence of God, the throne of God in heaven. His eyes look down on the world, his gaze tests mortal men. It is what gave hope to the Christians in Asia Minor, the province of Asia in the latter part of the first century, the time of Domitian. They were being persecuted two ways, by the beast, they were being persecuted by thrown to the lions of the Roman Empire. And also, though more subtly, they were being corrupted by the prostitute in the Seven Hills, by Babylon the Great, rich city, materialist city, dead city, not the city of God. And that could be a temptation because they had very good roads and a fantastic army and all kinds of technology. But what is it worth? What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? I die the king's good servant, but God's first. So the Lord is in his holy temple, the Lord whose throne is in heaven. His eyes look down on the world his gaze tests mortal men. That's why in the midst of the storm, we need to be attentive to the presence of the Lord. That's why it is so important the churches be open, as this is to some degree, but not as it should be, so that people can come and spend time in prayer before our Lord and the Blessed Sacrament, or where that is not possible, as for most of our brothers and sisters in Christ, for other reasons, it's not possible that we be there when we find, enter into the inner room of our heart and to be, to enter into the temple, the holy temple of God in that way. We are each one of us temples of the Holy Spirit. We experience the indwelling presence of the Trinity. 
and that may be where we need to find the Lord. The Lord is in his holy temple, the Lord whose throne is in heaven. We live in Babylon, but we're not citizens of Babylon. We're citizens of the heavenly city, Jerusalem. We're just passing through whatever empire we happen to be in. So the Lord tests the just and the wicked. The lover of violence he hates. He sends fire and brimstone on the wicked. He sends a scorching wind as their lot. Oh, the rich cities of the plains, Sodom and Gomorrah, Sodom and Gomorrah, wealthy. You read about them in Genesis. And yet the Lord brings his justice. The Lord is just and loves justice. The upright shall see his face. The mills of God grind slowly, but they grind exceeding fine. And so this psalm is a psalm of trust, but it's not a psalm devoid of the realism we get in the sharpness of Psalm 13. Both of these psalms we need to not just read, but pray, digest, reflect upon them. Let them enter into our hearts and let them be a pathway to our hearts so the Lord may enter in. Whatever it may be, the struggles we face. And for all of us, they're different. And for each of us in our own lifetime, they're different from one time to another. And yet the Lord gives us the strength for the journey through the valley of tears on our way home to the heavenly Jerusalem. Let's not hitch our wagon to a falling star, to anything that just blows around and around and around, the zeitgeist, the spirit of the age, but they say the man, it could be the woman who just do this, the man who marries the spirit of the age is a widower tomorrow. The woman who marries the spirit of the age is a widow tomorrow. And so here we are, Psalm 13, for the struggle. How long, O Lord, will you forget me? How long will you hide your face? How long must I bear grief in my soul, this sorrow in my heart day and night? How long shall my enemy prevail? Look at me, answer me, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes, lest I fall asleep in death. Lest my enemy say, I have overcome him. Lest my foes rejoice to see my fall. As for me, I trust in your merciful love. Let my heart rejoice in your saving help. Let me sing to the Lord for his goodness to me, singing songs to the name of the Lord, the Most High. In the Lord I have taken my refuge. How can you say to my soul, fly like a bird to its mountain? 
See the wicked bracing their bow. They are fixing their arrows on the string to shoot upright men in the dark. Foundations once destroyed, what can the just do? The Lord is in his holy temple, the Lord whose throne is in heaven. His eyes look down on the world, his gaze tests mortal men. The Lord tests the just and the wicked, the lover of violence he hates. He sends fire and brimstone on the wicked. He sends a scorching wind as their lot. The Lord is just and loves justice. The upright shall see his face. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end, amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.